0: Welcome! This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon.
1: god is good he is merciful all the time oh oh, y'all hit me with church i'm ready let's go let's go i'm ready we can we can go to church i'm ready for it they hit me we baptist baptist huh refresh missionary baptist church i'm with it i ain't mad that's what we doing dude i ain't mad you know that's just home but no i'm so glad uh, that we are together. I want to welcome you uh, to Refresh Community Church. My name is Pastor Carlos Smith. I'm the lead pastor here, and just gr- glad that we are worshiping together. I know that we have some, uh, some some issues with our earlier stream, so we restreamed it. So if folks are watching now, I want to welcome you virtually as well, and just glad that you are with us. I'm so glad to just be sharing with us today. We got a lot of stuff to be celebrating this morning so one thing that we want to celebrate uh, and thank God for is this weekend is uh, we're going to be celebrating June 10th. let's give it up for Juneteenth. That's right. I kind of already covered it in a, uh, in, a in a sermon, uh, 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 the first sermon in, in the series a, a few weeks ago. Um, but if you don't know what Juneteenth is for some reason, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect January 1st, 1863. But just the way um, that uh, oppression and things like that work uh, is that the slaves that were in Texas didn't get news about it until June 19th, 1865, when a group of Union soldiers, uh, many of whom were African-American, showed up to announce and enforce uh, the freedom that would come. And so June uh, 10th was born. Uh, and so it is a day of celebration of freedom. And, uh, you know, I was talking to one of my, um, you know, y'all may not be aware of this, but uh, just to let y'all know, I am an African American, if you were unaware. Uh, <laughs> full disclosure. So this day means a lot to me. Uh, but uh, I was talking to one of my nine uh, black friends this week, and they was like, you know, is this okay um, if I celebrate Juneteenth? I was like, shoot, I've been celebrating your day the whole time. <laughs> so like, I've been barbecuing on July 1st and technically my folks wasn't quite free yet. Um, so sure, feel free to uh, celebrate, enjoy Barbecue June. Team, go to activities to celebrate. It is celebration of freedom for us all, amen? Amen. amen. And then I told them, amen. Then then I followed up with, um, you know, that, uh, yo, we ain't enslaving nobody. So, you know, we we ain't just celebrating freedom from black folks. We if they try to if if the really like try to get the white folks, we ain't letting that happen either. We ain't we, like, nobody. We done with slavery as a unit. Okay, like, so feel free to to celebrate. Uh, but no, definitely, it's a day of freedom and celebration and jubilee uh, for us all. And last but secondly not least is today is Father's Day. Can we give it up for all the fathers in the house? Father's Day. Um, Listen, in the Smith household, this is a high day of praise, adulation, plaudits, congratulations, and obeisance to the patriarch of the household. Uh, And so... In fact, my kids, um, they have built a little throne upon which they will carry me around uh, for the duration of the day. Even the baby is gonna be carrying me around. Uh, but <laughs> like, we gotta switch spots. Uh, but no, no, it's a great day, and I pray that if you're a dad, you are celebrated today, I pray that they take you, feed you, let you cheat, whatever it is that makes your day, whatever just makes you feel relaxed and joy, I pray that you um, enjoy that. Uh, and I also want to take a minute um, and speak that for today, like for many of us, is a day of joy, and- celebration memories and things like that and then for some of us a day like this can bring at best for some people complex mixed feelings Um, and i really relate to it um, not particularly around father's day because me and my dad Uh, we're actually actually I had a a good relationship with my dad, but um, I shared openly with our congregation that some of my complexity is actually around Mother's Day. I had a complex relationship uh, with my mom, and so that's kind of where I can feel those things, and sometimes it's like, ah, what's going on um, in this space? Or maybe it could be for some, maybe you just miss dad. Like, my dad is going to be with the Lord, uh, so today is a day where I always have many thoughts of him. And here's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to just give space that, you know, if you have complex feelings or you're missing someone right now, that it is okay to feel all of those feelings. Uh, you don't have to pretend to feel the way that you don't. Um, you don't have to pretend that everything is all good because many of us have woundedness um, around our uh, parental figures and those who raise us. And here's the deep, dark secret that all of us have to contend with. Here's the truth: um, each and every one of us, all of our families, the best of our families, have a little bit of dysfunction. Every single one. Um, and so none of us get out fully unscathed. So if you have complex feelings, it's okay to feel that. Don't feel away. Um, just lean into those feelings. And I would just encourage you. Uh, and my wife. Has me with this around, around Mother's Day and stuff to remember the godly men that God put in your life. I guarantee you, even if the the dad relationship wasn't all that you wished it was, that throughout your life, if you look back at God's faithfulness, there have been godly men, godly uncles, deacons, pastors, preachers, cousins, mentors, teachers. Somewhere, somewhere um, in your life, there was a man who represented the character of God. Amen. And so, we want to celebrate them today as well. Amen. Amen. So um, we're going to be continuing um, in our series entitled Liberated um, as we walk through the gospel of Luke. And so uh, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, you would open them up. Luke chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verse 1 through 11. And in our pew Bible, that's on page 860. You're not using our Pew Bible. Luke is the third book of the New Testament Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if you will stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Oh, yeah, before I read God's Word, I totally forgot to mention. Um, Juneteenth, we got gifts for y'all Juneteenth slash Father's Day For Juneteenth, uh, we got some red velvet cookies um, Y'all know red velvet is like a Juneteenth jam We got some real red velvet cookies out on our pergola out there That we're going to grab after service Not right now, please don't leave right now, I'm about to preach uh, <laughs> Stay right where you are, forgot to mention it It's going to be out on pergola after services And for our dads, we have these wonderful crosses um, Necklaces that we want to give to our dads To remind you to be centered on Christ So we will enjoy those things after I preach so, please, now I've mentioned cookies and gifts, so please pay me attention. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. When you have it, give me an amen. 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 Here's the word of the Lord. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Pray with me, rather, and pray for me. (laughs) Eternal God, our Father, we thank you and we praise you, God, that you are still in the business of catching men. Dear God, I pray today that you would think through my mind and speak through my mouth, God, and encourage and edify your church, God. And I pray today um, that you would encourage and edify men in particular. God, we live in a day and a time when the enemy is seeking to, um, to capture and to pull on men. But God, I pray that you would speak to us clearly from your word today. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. I would like to talk to you from today from the thought, men caught by Jesus. Men caught by Jesus. Oxford Dictionary defines catch as to intercept and to hold. Something which has been thrown, propelled, or dropped. To capture... A person or an animal that tries or would try to escape. I was thinking about this idea of what it means to catch men and you'll go and you will catch men and I just started thinking about all the different ways we think about the word catch. One of the first things that came to my mind is being caught in a trap. That's kind of what fishing is. You're really just laying some kind of trap for those poor little fish and are capturing them and are dragging them away to your frying pan. That's exactly what... (laughs) You terrible people are doing, and what I'm going to do this afternoon. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what we're doing. It's just being caught in a trap. Another way I thought about it is phrases that we have, like being caught red-handed, uh, being being. You know, Usher made a song back in the 2000s about being caught up. Don't sing it right now. If it's in your head, there it is. There, there. <laughs> We often talk about being caught off guard, something catching your eye, catching feelings for somebody when maybe you don't want to. Um, That My previous self thought about being caught by the police. There are so many things we can think about when we mention the word Caught, um, but as I thought about the word "caught," as I thought about what it means to catch or to be caught something, I realized that no matter where I found it, no matter how I thought about and conceived of this word, it always necessarily included an interruption. You see, if something is going to be caught, it has to change the direction and the intention of the thing that is actually being caught by the catcher. If you're catching a fish, the fish wasn't trying to end up in your frying pan. The fish was going about his day looking for something to eat, and you caught it. If you are trying to catch a ball, the ball had one plane of motion moving in a particular direction with a particular energy, and yet at that moment, a catcher or something caught ball that was moving. And this morning, as we look at this text, we see Jesus interrupting Peter in order to catch him for himself. Peter is going about his day, minding his own business, running his business, trying to make him some money, put some food on the table for his children. And Jesus comes in and catches and interrupts him. But here is the reality, people of God, that any time we see an interruption by God anywhere in Scripture, the purpose of that interruption is transformation. Every single time God interrupts someone in Scripture, he changes the trajectory of that man's life, the trajectory of that man's family, and the trajectory of the nation. And so we see in our scripture that Moses, he gets interrupted by God at a burning bush. We see that David is interrupted while he was tending his daddy's sheep in the field. We see that the apostle Paul was interrupted as he was pursuing Christians on a murderous rampage up in Damascus of Syria. What does that have to do this Father's Day? I want to tell you, and I believe God sent me this morning on this Father's Day as you guys prepare to leave here and to go and have the best Father's Day lunch of your life. The Lord dropped me off today to tell you that God wants to interrupt some men, not just fathers, not just those who have wives, but men. God wants to interrupt everything that you have planned today because his desire for you is transformation and discipleship. Can some of the men say amen? Amen. I want to talk to the brothers. Sisters, you're welcome to listen in. It's for you too. We can say men means all the people. It does. It does. But I want to talk directly to the men, the young men, the old men, the middle-aged men, the gamers. I want to talk to the students. I want to talk to every single man in the house on this morning because I believe Jesus wants to interrupt the trajectory of your life to bring about some transformation. Our society is seeking to catechize and push our men in a direction that looks nothing like Jesus. It is destroying our communities, it's destroying our families, it's destroying our nation, it's destroying our churches, and it begins with the destruction of men. And so Jesus says, I want to send a holy interruption so that, not not so I can teach you how to, you know, have a little more machismo or a little more uh, ruggedness. I'm not trying to make John Wayne men. I'm trying to make men in the image of Jesus. God says, I want to call brothers. I want to call. man, I want to interrupt you just like I did Simon Peter and call him into a life of discipleship. What is discipleship? Discipleship is just patterning your life after the life of Jesus. You might be sitting there thinking about why would I want to be patterned after Jesus? Easy peasy, because he is the only official, sinless, perfect man to ever live on this planet. If you want to understand what biblical manhood is, it doesn't come in come through watching social media influencers. In fact, that is the absolute last place it comes from. I, nowadays, all you need is a camera, and you can just set it up in your living room. You ain't even got to go to a studio no more. You can just put it in your bathroom, set up the camera, turn on a $5 ring light from five below, and people will just listen to what you have to say. Like you know something. This is some of the most ridiculous information I've ever seen and reshared in my life, and yet here we are, as a generation, eating it up. Do we really think that? <laughs> I'm not even gonna name names. I can say so many things that I'm not gonna say right now. But do we really think that Instagram? is where we learn, or TikTok is where we learn how to become men. No, God said, I have an even better way. God got up off a throne some 2,000 years ago, put on a body of flesh and said, I'm going to show you what true manhood looks like. And it doesn't have anything to do with how much money you make. It doesn't have anything to do with how much you can bench press. It has nothing to do with your views on certain things. It has everything to do with your conformity to that image. So I'm going to interrupt and talk to the brothers until we go and get lunch. Is that all right this morning? And so God, he he pulls up on on Peter and he pulls up on Peter to interrupt his day and to call him into this life of discipleship. That's just following Jesus. That's just apprenticeship. That's just patterning one's life after Jesus. And listen, Peter is one of my favorite, absolute favorite characters in the Bible. I'm going to tell you why I like Peter, because Peter is a man's man. Ain't nothing soft about Peter. Ain't nothing flimsy about Peter. This is a grown man, grown Jewish, Galilean, callous on his hands kind of man. You wanna know where Jesus interrupts Peter at? Anybody know? It's in text I read to you. Y'all know where you interrupt at? Where's Peter at? He's at work. So point number one of the sermon, Peter had a job. Hallelujah. Peter, that's your first point. Peter had a job. Yes, he did. The economy wasn't all that all the time, but guess what? Peter had a job. Peter was at work. He was in his family business. He was a fisherman in this area. Uh, The text here, Peter calls it a latter name, the Sea of Gennesaret or Lake Gennesaret, but this is the Sea of Galilee. This is uh, is where the lion's share of Jesus's ministry took place. I had the pleasure of standing at the Sea of Galilee. I actually stayed there for a couple days in a kibbutz right off the lake there with me and some of my Jewish homies. We just hung out right there and it is a beautiful tropical place. You got palm trees, you got wonderful fruit. It's a great place. But what's fascinating about it is that there are little towns all around the mountains and the hills around it where Jesus went around doing his ministry for the entire duration of his life. And this is where Peter lived. He was a fisherman in this community. Contrary to what people say, Peter was not poor. This was a family business. He had a boat big enough to fit him, a couple of his homies, Jesus, and he had a few other boats that was big enough to carry some fish. This was not a homeless man just sitting on the dock of the bay with a fishing rod, hoping to catch something to eat. This was a man who worked every day. Not only was he a man who worked every day, he ran a business. He was an entrepreneur. Not only was Peter an entrepreneur, but he was a family man. I like Peter because he was a man's man. You find out in the chapter before that Peter's mama stayed with him. Peter had come up, got him a job. He was not only providing for his family, he was taking care of mama them. Peter was a man's man. And throughout scripture, we find out that not only does Peter have a mom who lives with him, Peter has a wife that means Peter had responsibilities. Peter had people who was dependent on him. Not only that, in his business, he worked with his brother Andrew. In fact, we see in John chapter 1 that when Peter is called to follow Jesus, that his brother Andrew comes along. And he is here as well, as well as his homie James and John, who are business partners with him. Here's my point. Peter was a fully grown man with responsibilities, with things to think about, with folks who were dependent on him when he began to follow Jesus Jesus is not to be followed. Jesus isn't just out here some people have this weird perception that Jesus is just calling dudes who ain't got nothing else to do. That Jesus is just calling guys who are soft Wasn't well, nothing soft about Peter, you want to know why? Because he had a family to care for and to protect. And so he was a loyal brother. How, how do I know he's loyal? You may ask. Peter was a loyal guy because when he started loving Jesus, he set his love and his affection and his loyalty on Jesus. And he loved hard and he loved strong towards Jesus. How do I know this? Because Peter, everybody else had departed walking with Jesus. They had left Jesus high and dry at the end when Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Peter said, "Listen, now Peter ultimately folded. He tried not to. He really tried. You gotta, I gotta, I gotta show him like he tried. He folded later, but he started off folded. He started off. Listen, Peter was pro two A. If you don't know what I mean, don't worry about it. But listen, pro. Peter stayed strapped at all times. When they tried to come and arrest Jesus, like Peter pulled that thing. If you don't know what that thing is, don't worry about it. Just know that Peter pulled it. Peter pulled that thing." And because he had been doing ministry for three years, had been preaching, he hadn't been to the range in a while, missed, took the man's ear off, took it clean off. Peter wasn't playing out in these streets. Like, Peter was not for play. Like, this was a fully... Grown man. This is the guy that God calls to discipleship. And I say that to say all of this, that wherever we are in all of our complexity as men, all that that means, even in a society that no one can tell me is not seeking to place our men in, in a subservient position and to de- uh, and to feminize them at times. God is saying, I welcome men in all their complexity to pick up their cross and follow me and to be discipled by me rather than discipled by culture, social media, political agendas and poor examples and failures and to follow Jesus who is the ultimate man. And so God calls this guy by the name of Peter. And what I love about this is that he calls Peter And he calls men because he is seeking to bring about transformation throughout our families and our generations. Listen, God is not calling men to himself because he is seeking to get something from them. He is calling men to himself because he is seeking to set his love upon us. Y'all may not feel this way, but it can feel this way. You know, manhood is no joke. I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. You ain't got to say, Hey man, I've been a grown man for a while. I know for myself, manhood ain't no joke. Uh, Like being uh, like, you're going to actually do the man stuff. Like ain't no joke. And sometimes you can feel that all that manhood is about is about what you bring to the table. How much money do you make? Where'd you go to school? What type of profession do you got? What are you worth? And you can feel like you are only the substance of what you do, how much you earn, or what you can provide. But Jesus does not call Peter and call men to himself because he's just trying to get something out of them. He calls men and he calls Peter to himself because he is seeking to set his love upon them. He is seeking to show us that regardless of who we are, where we are, that he has poured out his love for us, that he has poured out his grace, and that he is looking to elevate and call us into a relationship with the most high God. And so what I'm talking about right now, it's not, you know, the, you know, the toxic brand of manhood and masculinity. Nobody, nobody is talking about that because that's not what Jesus does. What Jesus shows us is servant leadership. Jesus shows us strength under control. Jesus sat before the governor of the land where he was and he said, listen, I could call down legions of angels, but I'm not because I got people to save. I got souls to redeem. I got resurrections to do. And so I'm going to keep all of my eternal might and strength under complete control and in submission to God. And so God called." to brothers. He calls to men because the other side of this coin is that if God knows that he is seeking to catch men and set his purposes about them to bring about transformation, the enemy also knows that that is how he can bring monumental destruction is and has continued to pour out his wrath on our families. And so God is saying, I'm seeking to call men to myself so that they may be transformed by me. Do I got anybody in the house that realize that being called to Jesus is actually something that we want for our brothers. Amen? Amen. That we want them to experience the proximity, the power, and the presence of Jesus. And so, I just want us to look at Peter for a moment, and I want us to experience briefly what Jesus does for Peter and what he is seeking to do for all of us. And I promise you, I'll be done. Let you go ahead and get your lunch, your brunch, whatever you're grabbing. I'll let you go. I'll be out your hair. It won't take me too long. I'll, at the minimum, let you get your real velvet cookies that we got outside for you. So I just got a couple things that I want to drop on this, and then I'll be out the way. The first thing that men who, are, who have been caught by Jesus experiences is they experience his proximity. Look at the text. It says that Jesus, he's standing out here, he's on this lake, he's preaching, and the way this lake works, it's, uh, it, it creates this Beautiful sonic effect where, because of the water and because of the hills that are around, he needs absolutely no amplification. And so, Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's discipling, and the ministry is growing, and people are coming so close and pressing in so much that they almost push him into the Sea of Galilee. And so, Jesus, not wanting to drown at the moment because he got stuff to do, says, Hey, um, can I borrow a boat? Does anybody around here got a boat? Peter says, I got a boat. I'm with it. You need some help? Jesus said, Yeah. Can I get in? He say, I got you. G- uh, Peter pull up in the boat, open the passenger side. Jesus hops in. They pull out to the sea. Now Jesus is in the sea in Peter's boat, teaching to all of these crowds. But you want to know what's interesting about this text? Jesus isn't high on the crowds. He's never high or worried about the crowds. He is always calling disciples. You see, the crowds are just people who are there to hear him speak. They're just there for the spectacle. They're just there for the horse and pony show. But disciples are those who follow him closely. And that is what he calls Peter for. He calls Peter and says, listen, I want to give you proximity. So I'm going to go from hanging out with the crowds and teaching the crowds to getting in the boat with you and using your boat to not to get something from you, but to be a blessing to you. Now, You would have to know, you would have to read the chapter before to know that before this text, before this moment, Peter does not, or rather before this moment, this isn't Peter's first interaction with Jesus. Peter actually interacts with Jesus in chapter 4 where Peter comes and, or where Jesus comes to Peter's house and Jesus heals Peter's moms. If you know anything about men and fun facts, especially about black men, it's just something about mama. That if you just love mama, treat mama all right, you can get in their good graces. The first time Peter and Jesus actually interacts is when Jesus is at Peter's home and heals his mother. I don't know why Jesus chose to heal Peter's mother. I'm sure it's just because she was sick and he wanted to demonstrate his his power. But there's a little note in the text that says that Peter's mom, when she was healed, she got up to serve the house, and so my Holy Ghost imagination began to spring, spring into action, and I said, I don't know, maybe Peter's mama could cook. Maybe Peter's mama was the best cook around the Sea of Galilee. Maybe she knew how to fry some chicken like they had never seen, and Jesus said, if there's anybody that's going to be sick in this area, it is not Mama Peter. Mama Peter, I'm going to use my power. I told you last week that Jesus wouldn't use his power to make bread to feed himself, but he show used that power to heal Peter's mama that day. And so Jesus, before he ever asked Peter to use his boat, had actually shown Peter that he was for him, that he could be trusted, that he was not seeking to extract anything from him, that he was not seeking to use him or to be opportunistic, that he was for him and in his corner and would use his power and his strength to bless him. What does this have to do with anything that I'm talking about? Because as men, let's just be honest, and maybe it's just me, many of us struggle with trust issues. Don't raise your hand. If that's you, talk to your counselor about it. But let's just be honest. As men, as a whole grown man, you learn over time that people have to earn your trust. Maybe this is just my hang up the way y'all look at me, so I just talk about myself. That trust is something that can be hard to come by. Why can it be hard to come by for men? Because many of us have experienced betrayal, abandonment, heartbrokenness, woundedness, misunderstanding, manipulation, shame, blame, had borderline parents, had absentee fathers, and we learned over time to guard ourselves and to be careful about who we let in. And so we can read these discipleship accounts as Jesus walking in and just calling disciples to himself, but that's actually not what's going on. Jesus takes time to build up relationship so that him and Peter have relationship as he calls him to himself. Why does this matter? And what does this have to do with us? Because not only does Jesus gives us his proximity, but he calls us to have proximity to others. Fun fact. As I was preparing for this message, I read this interesting article from the New York Times that said that one in five, check this out, that's 20% of middle-aged men have no friends. One one in five middle-aged men have no friends. And I just wondered, how do you just have no friends? Like, just none. Like Like, you're just alone. And I started thinking about it, and then I realized it's actually pretty easy. It didn't say that they have no family, it said they have no real true friends, not co-workers, not people that they're in business with, but people who really know them. People who they're really in proximity to, people who they are really in relationship with. And I realized at that moment that as brothers, for some of us, not all, but for some of us, it can be hard to let people in. And what Jesus does is that he earns Peter's trust to show him, listen, yes, I want to use your boat, but I want to use your boat and I will use it to be a blessing to you. So he shows Peter that he wants to draw in closer to proximity, but he does it to show that I have something for you. And brothers, listen, I just want to say this real briefly. I want to invite those of us who may be here, and this is an extra shameless, non-subliminal subtle non plug for Man Cave. Here it comes. It's right there. This ain't flying under the radar you ain't got to search for it y'all if you are a brother here you should come to man cave monday nights six thirty to 8 so that you're not part of that 20 percent that the new york times talked about because not only do we need proximity to jesus we need proximity to one another we need relationship. We need brothers who are going to point us to Jesus. We need brothers who are going to say that Jesus is the way. The brothers that will speak in and speak life to who we are and where we are and what's going on in our life. And so that's just a non-sort way of saying Y'all should come to Man Cave. And sisters, I know some of my sisters, you probably, right now, you're probably online shopping because I'm still up here talking and his father's like, listen, sisters, don't, don't tune me out. Encourage your brothers, your sons, your fathers, those who are close to you to come out and be poured into because this idea that men are isolated or are pushed to the side is something that's actually quite damaging. And so, we see that Jesus experiences proximity to Peter. He draws close to him. He calls us to have proximity to one another and one of the reasons we need this proximity to one another is so that we can encourage one another to pursue after Jesus. And so he draws in, has proximity to Peter, and then after that, the men who have caught by Jesus have not only experienced his proximity, but they experience his power. What do they experience? Look at the text. It says, after Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So, Jesus ministered to the crowds. Then he turns to Peter and he says, "'Put out into the deep, let down your nets.'" for a catch. And Simon answered him, look at this, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. He gives him his proximity to let him know, listen, I'm giving you my presence, my relationship, but I want to show you my power. I'm not giving you my proximity and my presence because I want something from you I want to love you unconditionally and so I'm going to show you my power he draws close and he says listen I want you to do something that makes absolutely no sense I want you to go and fish in the wrong place at the completely wrong time and see what happens you see, if you don't fish in the Sea of Galilee, I don't know if anybody is really into that, but those who fish in the Sea of Galilee would know that you don't catch water, uh, catch fish during the day in the deep waters of the Sea of Galilee. This is because during the day, the fish move out of the deep waters into the shallow waters. They move into the shallow waters because as the tributaries run down, they push the sediment and the nutrients up into the shore during the day. And so that's where the fish go. They are not in the deep waters At all. They're in the shallow waters. And so this is the wrong time of day, the wrong place, but this is exactly where God chooses to bless Peter. Dr. Philip Pointer said it this way, that in this text, Jesus chooses to bless Peter out of bounds, off schedule, above his expectations and beyond his capacity to demonstrate that he is God in the flesh. And that's all right. Y'all can keep looking at me. I ain't even worried about it because I recognize and I realize that I have a God that will show up in a brother's life. And when we give Jesus proximity to us, he will bless us out of bounds, off schedule, above his expectations and beyond his capacity. And so he pours out his blessing and his abundance on Peter simply because Peter says, at your word. You see, Jesus gives Peter a command and Peter didn't say, well, Jesus, I've been fishing in these waters my whole life. Jesus, I have expertise in how to fish here. I know exactly how to fish in these waters. How do you know how to fish anyway? You're a carpenter. You're not a fisherman. Jesus, Peter didn't talk back to Jesus. Peter goes ahead, listens to Jesus, and is blessed above and beyond everything that he can experience. And so, When we see this miracle of abundant fish, of abundant catch in this moment, this miracle becomes parabolic of what Jesus is going to do through Peter. You see, we're in the book of Luke. Luke writes two books in the Bible, Luke and Acts. And so right here we are in Luke chapter 5. Where Luke is actually teeing up a whole book and a half ahead is what's going to happen in Acts chapter 2. Because in Acts chapter 2, this middle class, blue collar, rough around the edges fisherman, is going to preach his trial sermon. And at his trial sermon, three thousand people are going to get saved and be called into the kingdom and so Jesus is trying to teach Peter a lesson that if you will listen to my word obey what I have given you you will see my power in your life and God will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think and men of God that I'm talking to this morning I'm here to tell you that God is saying to you this morning that if you want to see my power you want to listen to my word yes I know it doesn't make sense I know what I'm calling you to do, what I'm telling you to do, what I'm instructing you to do may fly against your expertise, your degrees, your pedigree and all these things. But what Jesus says is that if you want to see my power to bless you, multiply you and expand your capacity and make you fruitful and flourish in hard places, hard jobs, hard relationships, hard careers, hard financial situations, then all you have to do is listen to my word. Preach, Carlos. You're doing your best. I'm going to keep on preaching even when they're looking at you. When God is doing what he, when we are obeying what God has called us to do God says I will bless you out of bounds off schedule above expectation and beyond your capacity and so God shows Peter his power when he gives him his proximity but why does he do this not just to make a parabolic point but to also bless those who are around Peter you see when you look at the text you see here that Peter is surrounded He's so blessed. He's experiencing so much abundance that Jesus pours it out to everyone else. Look, he says, look, we told all night I, I got nothing, but at your word, I'm going to do it. And so when they finally did it, it says they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were starting to break. And then this is where the blessing for everyone else comes in. Verse 7, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink And so at this moment, what we see, I told you that Peter is a family man. He's a man of commitment. He's a man of connection. Jesus says, when I pour out my blessing, my abundance, when I cause you to flourish, when you walk in your purpose, when I give you my anointing because of your obedience, it's not only gonna bless you, but it's gonna overflow to your family. It's gonna overflow to your children. It's gonna overflow to your wife. It's gonna overflow to those who you mentor and who you pour into. It's kind of like the oil that flows down on Herons head down to his beard and blesses all of Israel. When God blesses the head, when God blesses the man of the house, when God blesses the men of our society, when God blesses the men of our church, what we will experience is a comprehensive anointing that will bring blessing and transformation for our generations and for the legacy that God has given to us. And so God gives, he says, listen, I'm going to bless you, Peter. I'm going to pour out for you. I'm going to give you the ability to walk in your gifting, your calling, your anointing, your power, and I'm going to bless you. Now, listen, if this was me, I would have just been shouting because y'all do realize, I told y'all the title, this sermon series is called Liberated. Um, And so it's talking about the comprehensive liberation and blessing of God. I just would have been shouting because y'all do realize this is an economic blessing. Yeah, this this the, the, Peter is a whole fisherman. You get get you three boats full of fish and cash it in a day, you're gonna have some money in your bank account. I I would have just been shouting on the strength of everything that God has done here because I would be like, look, Peter was good with like paper now, because Jesus is gonna call him to follow after him, but he calls him after he's blessed him economically. I would have been shouting, but God says, Look, I want you to see something that this blessing is not just for you, it's for everyone, it's for the generations. It's, it's kind of like this. You know, I, I've been recently, I found out this piece of information. I'll pass it on to you. You may know it already. I found out that if you get solar panels on your house, that if you collect enough uh, electricity from your solar panels, that it can go to the power grid and that Ameren will send you a check. I didn't know this, okay? I'm going to tell you why this is important. I normally send Ameren checks, okay? This is what I learned. I learned that I, I, I normally do the check sending with Aaron. Do you know how what it would do for my mental health to get a check from Ameren? Like, it would just feel like reparations, that I finally made it. Like, I got a check from Ameren. After all these years of sending them my money, I've finally been blessed. And so I was thinking about it just on the strength of that, but I, you know, I start looking into it, and I, you know, it's some some tax deductions. I don't know. We'll see. I'll let y'all know if it work out for me but this whole solar panel you <laughs> But, but I started looking at solar panels and how they work and how all it really is is just an electromagnetic grid that you slap on the side of your house um, that is able to absorb power and absor- able to absorb the energy that normally falls on your house anyway, and it repurposes it and it converts it and it becomes a conduit uh, for electrici- electricity and power in your house. And men of God, what God is saying to you this morning is that he wants to make you conduits of God's grace, conduits of God's power, that he's not pouring these blessings out on you just for you to absorb for yourself, that he is not pouring these things out in your life just so you can say, look at how God has blessed me and look how I'm flourishing. Men of God, God is saying, I am pouring this out on your life so that you can become a conduit to your entire household, so that you can be a blessing to your legacy, a blessing to your generations, a blessing to those who you are touched, who you touch and whom you impact. And so Peter is here experiencing the power of Jesus, the proximity of Jesus, but when he experiences Jesus' proximity and power, it leads him to repentance. Peter saw it. Look at verse 8. He experiences Jesus' proximity, Jesus' power, and verse 8 leads him to repentance. Look at this. It says, Peter saw it. I told you, I just would have been shouting because this is like Peter just got a nice little stimulus package from Jesus, okay? I would have cast them fishing. I would have been shouting right now. Like, this would be such a different passage if it was me. This whole passage would be, and Jesus blessed Peter and Carlos, and all the boats got filled, and then Carlos was just over in the corner of at, at, uh, the fishery, and he was just shouting, and it was, a, it was a nurse fanning him. If you don't know what a church nurse to fan you is, don't worry about it. Just know, it was, he was fanning them, and he was saying, thank you, Jesus, and he, he, he went to the ATM. He paid off all his days this this I would have just messed this passage all up but that's not what happened here Peterson sees it and he repents he falls down at Jesus knees and he says depart from me O Lord because I'm a sinful man he 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 saw this miracle and he he says Jesus I am sinful he doesn't shout he doesn't get excited he says I am sinful and people of God, let me tell you something. Jesus is drawing you and he is speaking to men and he is interrupting you and he's calling you to yourself, to himself, to experience his proximity and his power to draw you and call you to repentance. You see, we may wonder, we see this and we be like, why, 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 does, why does this happen? Why does he repent? Why doesn't he shout? And it's very simple. He sees the holiness of God for the first time clearly. You see, he had heard Jesus preach, so he knew something was up. He knew that Jesus had healed his mom, so he knew something what's going on but there was something in the moment when he saw that Jesus could tell fish to go to the wrong place at the wrong time and cause an overwhelming abundance of blessing in his life it's almost like Jesus demonstrate and pull back the curtain on Peter's mind so that for the first time he can enter into the reality that he was in the presence of the son of god And so Peter's exclamation, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, is the words of a man who has seen the holiness and the glory of God for the first time and recognizes that when he stands next to Jesus, there's something that he lacks in himself. You see, this is the same thing that the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 6 when he sees Jesus sees the Lord high and seated upon a throne and his robe fills the whole temple and that above the throne of Yahweh there were seraphim with six wings and who covered his face and they cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory and when they seen and experienced that the foundation of the temple was shook and at this moment this is what Isaiah says, woe is me for I'm a sinful man in the midst of people with sinful lips there is something about seeing the holiness and the glory of God that brings you face to face with your own wretchedness and brokenness And so Peter here realized for the first time that he was in the presence of holiness. And brothers, I want to tell you, you know, I I don't do uh, beat up daddy sermons. I don't do beat up men sermons, but I will tell you that Jesus says that when we compare ourselves to one another, you know, as men, we can get together and we can, you know, we can compare our bank accounts and we can compare our, our investment portfolio. We can compare what school we went to. We can compare where we graduated from. We can compare where we vacationed. We can compare how, we think we're doing over against another one. But there's something about comparing ourselves to Jesus that will bring us nothing but humility. Because we recognize, we recognize that no matter who we are, no matter what we got going on, Jesus is just a little bit more pure, a little bit more powerful, a little bit more uh, wonderful than we are in ourselves. You know, I started looking at this. Um, and as I examined it, you know, I was just like, and he shows Peter. His holiness and Peter falls before him. What was interesting is that before he does any of this, he doesn't get Peter to the point of repentance by beating up on Peter and telling Peter he needs to man up and do better and don't cry and be a man, be strong. That's, That's not how he gets there. He gets Peter there by showing Peter his kindness. He shows him his power, his proximity, his grace, his mercy, his healing power, his economic blessing before Peter ever repents. It's almost like what the scripture says is true, that it's the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. And dear brother, I want to talk to you today because God is not trying to beat you up. He wants to interrupt what you're doing, but he's not trying to beat you up. He's saying, I want you to come into a relationship with me. And I'm actually, check this out. I am God in the flesh, and I'm willing to prove myself to you. I'm willing to step in your life, care for your family. That's what he did for his mom. I'm willing to step into your life, provide for you economically. I'm willing to, me, the God of the universe, give you my presence and my proximity, and I'm willing to do every single bit of this just so that you will come to recognize who I am in your life. And God is saying the same thing to you, dear brother. He is calling you to himself. He's calling you in relationship to him. Not so that he can beat you up, but so that you can learn the lesson that Peter would need for the rest of his life. What lesson is that? The lesson is this. That God does not wait until you you are perfect to set his favor and his blessing upon you. You You know, Peter is one of my favorite people. Because Peter... Just almost never gets it right he, he, he I mean peter is like the can 't get right of the bible he just he just he just if you don't know who can 't get right, don 't worry about it google it later he, he, Peter just misses the mark over and over again, you know reading Paul will make you depressed almost you Paul will make you sad because paul he just paul just just out there he getting beat he writing the Bible he preaching and he just paul never fall off like Paul just like he just like hit after hit after hit like he never falls off, but peter. Every other book, Peter wiles out a little bit. Like, and I, I, I be needing Peter in my life because I'm much more Petrine than Pauline, you know. And, 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 and Peter, you know, he, this, is, this is Peter who right now, he, he gets it right with repentance. He gets it right before God. But this is the same Peter who's also going to deny Jesus. This is the same Peter who also is going to be rebuked and called Satan by Jesus. This is the same Peter, who after he preaches and 3,000 people get saved, is going to be rebuked for his racism by the Apostle Paul because he just couldn't quite let them old prejudices go. What's the point? Jesus shows Peter his grace and his mercy at a time when he is profoundly imperfect to let him know that no matter how broken he gets, he can always go back to that same place at the Sea of Galilee where he claimed to mess his own long before he got it right. And man of God. Man of God, what I want to share to you to, with you today is that Jesus doesn't need you to be perfect. He doesn't need you to get it all right. He doesn't need the perfect dad, the perfect, uh, the, the, the perfect father, the perfect business owner, the perfect employee. In fact, Jesus says, I specialize in making straight lines with crooked sticks. In fact, I kind of like it when the pieces are a little broken because when they're a little broken, I can show off my glory and who I am. And that's exactly what he does through Peter because he takes his proximity, gives him his power, brings him to repentance so that he can learn his purpose. What is his purpose? He says, listen, Peter, don't be afraid. Peter is worked up. Peter is a little scared because he realized he is standing in the presence of Yahweh, the God of creation who can command nothing and all of nothing becomes of something. Peter gets a little nervous and Jesus says, hey, look, don't be afraid. I'm showing you my grace and kindness because I have purpose for you. He says, I have called you to go and catch men. This same grace and mercy that you have now extended and now experienced, I want you to go and extend it to others. Y'all know, I'm just convinced that's what made Peter such an incredible preacher and an incredible apostle because Peter had missed the mark so many times. Because Peter had fallen short so many times. And that same grace that it took to pick him up from where he was was the same grace that he can preach free and clear to everyone who would hear his voice. And child of God, listen, let me tell you why God actually prefers men who are broken, who are fallen, who are going through it. Because you can't tell, you won't only tell somebody what you heard, you will tell somebody what you know. You will tell them about the grace and the mercy of Jesus that picked you up when you were still in the throes of addiction. You will tell somebody about a Jesus who still picked you up when you hadn't learned what faithfulness looked like yet. You will tell somebody about a Jesus who had mercy on you when you were still falling short, still not doing everything that you need to do, still hadn't learned to be a father yet, still hadn't learned to be a son yet. And you will be able to point other men to a Jesus that will take who we, take us where we are, pick us up, clean us up, and put us as. Tra- trophies as his grace, and demonstrate his goodness and his kindness. God doesn't need perfect men. He likes repurposed men who demonstrate his grace and power. Listen, I'm done preaching now. I want to take a moment, and I want to pray for the men of this church. Because I believe, and no one can tell me any different, I know that Satan is attacking men in our culture. He is attacking men in our church, and he is seeking to undermine our families and our strength by attacking the men. And so I want to take a moment, and I want to call. I want us all to stand together. I want us all to stand together. Everyone. And I want to ask all the brothers to come forward. Young, old, children, all of our men, all of our men. Let's give it up for these brothers as they come forward. And is busy. But what I've learned about Jesus is that when he sets his affection upon us, he always catches us. Brother's God's desire is to draw you into a close relationship with him, to draw you into proximity and to allow you to experience his power. There are some of you that God is calling to repentance, but the only time God calls us to repentance, is never to shame us, it's always to demonstrate his grace to us. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He don't need you to have it all together. What he needs is for you to allow yourself to be captured by his grace. I want to pray for you and commend the men to God. Father, we thank you that Peter becomes this beautiful model of what you do with manhood. That, Father, you give us your proximity. God, you show us your power. And, God, you do those acts of grace so that you may call us to repentance. God, there's your grace and your kindness Call called us to repentance. God, I thank you. That you're not in the business of shaming men, of beating us up, of always kicking us in the pants. Sometimes we need that. But God, the kick in the pants is always preceded by your loving and your grace. Father, you call us to yourself to deploy us for your purpose. Father, I thank you for each and every man that is here. God, these are fathers. These are brothers. These are sons. These are nephews. These are uncles. These are business owners. These are employees. These are men that you have made in your image and men who you are seeking to conform to your image. And so, Father, I pray your blessing upon them, God. I pray that over the men of Refresh Community Church that you will cancel the assignment of the enemy. That, God, you would cancel Satan's plan in their lives to destroy them, God, to derail them, God, to make them weak, God, to sideline them. God, I pray that you would strengthen them through your spirit. That, God, you would pour out your anointing, your spirit, your power on them, their wives, their children, their families. God, I thank you for sending these men here. Father, I believe that as go the men of our church, as go the men of our communities, as go the men of our nation, so goes our nation, our families, and those who we love. So, Father, I pray that these will become men who are caught by you, God, who are apprehended by you, who have been captured by you and are enmeshed and enamored by your glory. Father, give them a glimpse of your holiness. God, give them a glimpse of your perfection. God, give them a glimpse of who you are, Father, and allow them to be transformed into the image of Christ as they behold the image that is before them. God, transform them. Transform their hearts. Call them to yourself. Father, I commend them to you, and we commend ourselves to you. God, allow us to stay close to you, that we may become the men that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give it up for these brothers.
0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church Or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.